greetings. This is just uh, an incredibly joyous event, a joyous celebration. Sunday always is. And then when you have baptism, um, two people being yanked out of the clutches of darkness and put into the kingdom of our beloved Son in whom they have redemption, the forgiveness of all their sins. How could we not be happy this morning? And the communion, it will be here and we will go to the table and feast on Christ by faith with thanksgiving. This is a joyous occasion today. But there's another bit to this joyous occasion that is a party. Veritas is five years old today. And so I just want to say happy birthday, a five-year birthday to, to Veritas. And, and it's been thrilling for me and for Lisa as we, um, we met Veritas about two months into its inception and beginning to, to grow. And um, it's been a sheer joy for us to be a church so young and so spirited over these last five years. A, a church that makes many mistakes and much progress. We've shed countless tears here at Veritas in a very short amount of time. And we have shared robust belly laughs with each other over the short amount of time. Now, I, I believe I'm correct by saying this, that we share the same birthday with Nora Krumloff. The delight is mine to talk with her, smile at her, and watch her develop. Her developmental stages over this last five years, reminds me of Veritas. Falling down, getting up, laughing, crying, having fits, being disciplined, enjoying love in the family. Just her developmental stages remind me so much about the inception meeting in the living rooms and coffee shops with Veritas, to the birth of Veritas at the first gathering in a cafeteria in Ruskin Elementary School on a beautiful September morning, to baptizing our first convert in a feeding trough, this is going to get good, and adding to our number new members ongoingly until we're up to I don't know how many, from 20 to about 130 or 140 or so. But there's another thing about Nora that reminds me of Veritas. She was born into a growing family of lookalikes. When you get close to her, look into her eyes and notice the dance of delight, unmistakably a Krumloff trait. Watch her smile and listen to infectious laughter, <laughs> undeniably a part of the Krumloff family. Her cheeks, her nose, her, her beautiful hair, identifiably a vital part of the Krumloffs. Well, J.J., maybe with the exception of that hair piece idea. 
Sarah has the, the beautiful flowing hair. It, it seems like every time I turn around, there's another crumb off. <laughs> Each one of these precious children is a newly created, undeniable, identifiable member of this family. Now, why in the world am I talking about Crumlofs today? Well, first of all, they're just one of the coolest families I've ever met. But deeper than that and more profound with that, this is the imagery that I want you to hold in your mind as we look at today's message. Today's message is titled, Our Church Portrait, Our Family Portrait. And, and I, I want you to get a sense of this undeniable, identifiable piece to church membership and, and the activities in this newness of life. Open your Bibles now if you have them available to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. And there's going to be seven verses that we're going to look at. In this passage, I think you will hear, at least this is my attempt, to take the seven verses and extract from it a, a, a sentence that would both summarize and educate us with this passage. It goes something like this. The gospel creates undeniable, identifiable church members who devote themselves to this newly created life. Will you stand with me at the reading of God's word? Picking up in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, Acts is the book that directly follows John, the gospel of John. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, we read, So, those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we just come to you and ask that we will hear your voice through seven verses. We ask that our hearts will actually be opened by you, softened by your spirit, that there be no distractions internally and perhaps even externally, that our minds will be stayed upon the Christ and you will speak this newness of life into us. So we wait for you. Give us all we need to give back to you all of the praise you deserve. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So 
On the screen, you see a static picture. And the static picture is a portrait of the first century church. I tried to draw it, and it got really wonky. So what I'd like you to do is some of you, most of you, perhaps all of you, got a piece of paper when you came in. Is that somewhat accurate? Okay. Thanks, Mindy. We got two of them out there. Okay. Um, so use your crayons, use your pencils, use your pens, whatever you have. And I would like you to listen to this passage preached. And in so doing, actually draw this picture on the screen. This picture is the frame. It's kind of hard to see because of, of uh, it, it got a little uh, darkened on the corners. But it's a framed picture in which there's a lot of activity. And so this is our family portrait. And as I'm envisioning it, as I'm preaching it, I'm asking the Lord, our Heavenly Father, to give on this birthday us, little five-year-olds, a birthday present. And this birthday present is a portrait of you and you and you and, and me collectively together in this family. And when you finish your artwork, you can then just slip it into your, your um, Bible or your back pocket or something, but moreover, you can hang this portrait in the hall, the hall of your imagination, in your bedroom, in your imagination, in your family room, in your imagination, down into the basement, wherever you're at. And so sometimes you will then stop with the eye of imagination and look at it. And what will it do to your heart with respect to each of you and with respect to our Heavenly Father? It is with me. We have portraits in our house. And we have the kids in there. And Lisa and I are there. And I walk past that thing all the time. But sometimes, some days, I'll stop. And 30 years of marriage and four grown kids and all the joys and all the sorrows and all the challenges come to the forefront of my mind. And yes, water increases in my eyes and drops onto my cheeks and down to the floor. That's the power of picture. And I want that for you, for our church, our family portrait. And we find that in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. So to start with, this passage has structure to it. And so you'll see the structure in the first verse and the last verse. This is very typical for Bible writers. They, they, they usually frame things. The tip and the tail, the, the start, the stop, the beginning, the end. It's framework. And that tells you the topic of what's inside this frame. And so we see that here in verse 41. Notice in your Bibles how the paragraph begins. It says, there were added that day. You see that phrase? You can circle it. Because then you drop down to 47, and then you notice the Lord added their number day by day. So this 
way of writing functions as framing something inside. This is the essence of the portrait. Yes, the frame is very important because this gives us the topic, but the, the theme, the dynamic movement of the portrait is found right in the middle. And you'll find that in verses 42 through 46. It's the expansion, if you will, of the topic. The writer of the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, records in these verses the beginning of the church. And this paragraph functions in a narrative to highlight the fact that God, through his spirit and gospel, creates new communities just like Veritas Community Church. And not simply dealing with a bunch of individuals in isolation all over the place. Saves, gathers, and now we have a new family, a new society, a new community in Jesus Christ. So I tried to picture that in here. And so there's the big idea. You can see the sentence hopefully in there. Gospel created, undeniable, identifiable church members. There's the topic. Do what? And in the middle of this, you will see one verb and four nouns. And this verb is, is penetrating these nouns and animating these nouns. And so we try to capture it as learning together, partnering together, sharing together, praying together. Acts 2 is a fascinating chapter. Has anyone read Acts 2? A few. It's a big book, right? So maybe tonight or sometime soon you can read Acts chapter 1 and 2 and you'll get the, um, the movement into this summary paragraph that we're looking at this morning. Acts 2 is this fascinating chapter that is a non-repeatable moment in salvation history. It recounts the coming of the Spirit as the fulfillment of the prophets in the Old Testament, the Passover of Egypt and the Jewish festival of Pentecost point to the Messiah and the redemption he accomplished. This is none other than Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. All the covenants we find in the Old Testament, all the types, all the prophecies trace to the person, Jesus Christ. He came as God's only son. He lived approximately 30 years without sin. He went to the cross as a substitution for our sins, all who believe in him. He came up and out of the grave three days later to start a new stage in God's glorious story of salvation, the inauguration of this new creation. In chapter 2, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You'll see it in verses 1 through 13. And we hear the Apostle Peter interpreting this event, verses 14 through 40. Peter's sermon is the proclamation of the gospel, what God has done for his people in the death and resurrection of his son Jesus. And so when we get to this summary paragraph in, in Verse uh, 41, we notice what the gospel creates. First of all, just, just let your mind think about that. The gospel creates. The gospel isn't just factual news, though it is news. 
But it, it's, a, it's a dynamic, the Bible says. And when God says so, this gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, awakens people from the dead, from their sins, creates a new creation. That's what the gospel do, does. And we see that in verse 41. These were individuals who received the gospel, who were cut to the heart. Look at verse 37. Their consciences were awakened by the Holy Spirit using the Holy Word, and they were deeply troubled. Their open hearts soon saw the hope of the gospel, and these particular per people received the Word, and now notice what happens. Verse 41. The people were cut to the heart, repented of their sins, were baptized in water, and at that point they were added to the specific 120 members already converted to Christ as seen in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. This is the beginning of the local church. The gospel created church members of Christ and one another. Now, if verse 41 doesn't convince you that the gospel creates these types of people, notice verse 42. It says, and the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. That is to say, everyone who received the gospel, who was cut to the heart, who asked, what shall we do? Who repented of their sins, who were baptized believers, they're marked out ones and added to the number. The specific identifiable people who are followers of Jesus and partners of one another. That, beloved, is our framework. That's our frame for our family portrait this morning. The gospel creates undeniable. You can't go, I don't know, is that one a believer or not? Oh, it's undeniable. And it's, it's identifiable. They, they, they have a passion. They, they, they love things. They, they do things. It looks like they love each other because they, they love each other. It's very identifiable. Believers in Jesus Christ, these members of a new covenant church, that's the framework. So as we pick this up, we now start moving into the actual portrait itself. How are they so identifiable? How are they marked out as believers in Jesus. So as I said, the text has one verb and a few nouns. So let's look at the verb. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to. We could stop right there. So this isn't just perfunctory, carrying out duty kind of living. There's something inside or someone inside these members of the new society. Their hearts are changed. There's a newness of life. They actually love someone and something. They have a hunger. They're panting. They're passionate for. That's what the word devoted themselves to these four activities. Let's take a look at that word again. It means to occupy oneself diligently with something, being devoted to something. 
to pay persistent attention to. It's being devoted to, to this. Holding fast. What a beautiful verb there. Just clinging and holding fast to something. That's, that's devotion. To continually be into something. What are you into? Well, I'm into, and then you see a passion. That's what that word means. If the definitions don't reach you, which some people don't dig definitions and verbs and nouns, I had the privilege of officiating a, a wedding at a week or two ago, something like that. And, and um, I can never get over, and sometimes I want to just tiptoe out of this sacred moment and place when two human beings, the groom and the bride, are about 18 inches away from me, so I can actually see their faces and their eyes and hear their breathing. I mean, I'm really close to something. And they're going through the vows. And their eyes touched one another and just began to tangle. And 75 onlookers could not get their eyes off of their eyes. And even a pastor who is talking to them, I don't even know if they realized I was talking to them. They are utterly devoted. There's a fierce and familial devotion. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just matchless to watch, and that is the feeling we get out of this verb, devoted. And this devotion is not just for the core members. In chapter 1, verse 14, and following this 120 members, it says they were devoted. And then you fast forward and go into chapter 6, verse 4, and now you've got apostles who devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Same word. What strikes me so much is it's not just the core members and, and, and their apostles that have this pulsating desire and hunger and love and adoration and a fierce and familial touch to what they are looking at. It's y'all. It's right out of the water. Andrew. This is the verb that now starts moving into these nouns. The nouns were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. That article right there says it's a very specific thing there. So this is our family portrait. We have been created by God through his gospel, in his son, by his spirit, and we're a new creation. And we are members of a family that's totally identifiable and undeniable. And now we're starting. We have a new life, a new passion, and it's going to exercise itself and express itself in these four ways. The first, learning together. Now, these people just could not get enough of the apostles' teaching. Day by day, it says, they would go to the temple and listen to their new leaders expound the Old Testament and hear the glories of Jesus and their new identity. 
They would read on, or we would read on in the book of Acts, and we would notice that there's informal times of learning. The apostle um, spoke in the temple, but then he would go house to house, Acts 20, verse 20. These new members of the local church prized the word. It was their, their, their food, their treasure. They longed to hear it and then study it for themselves. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. The word was not boring to them. It was difficult at times to understand it. 2 Peter 3.16. Oh, how I go to that verse a lot when I'm studying God's word. But these new church members had a hunger. They occupied themselves diligently and held fast to the apostles' teaching. Now this is the family portrait of Veritas. We do not have apostles today. They've been dead and gone for many, many years. But they left us a deposit of truth, Jude 3. And so we have this Bible complete today. It's, it's in your hands right now. It's on your lap. Some of it is even in your heart as you think through the sweet gospel all through the written revelation. Church members' hearts are awakened by the Spirit and the Word to have a devotion to the Bible that translates into a life change. And these types of churches are not merely Bible-teaching churches. These types of churches are known as Bible-learning, Bible-believing churches. This is the first trait of our portrait, our family portrait at Veritas Community Church. And there's a second trait. We see that in verse 42, and it's called the fellowship. Now, this is a commitment not merely to, you know, fellowship. Um, I, I love that, hey, let's fellowship, because I, I love communion. I love interaction. I love parties, and we're going to have one today at four, and it's going to be wonderful, but, but this one's more specific. As I um, read some of the, the commentators and whatnot, they all agree uh, the breaking of bread is the communion. Uh, the fellowship is centered on this table and, and, um, and, and the communion. But prior to that, we see that it's, it's this um, partnering, we'll call it. Um, you see it in uh, Philippians chapter 1. You see it in different contexts. That the fellowship is, is something that we all like, but it's week in and week out. Christ is the host, and he calls us to this kind of, of fellowship. It's a centering on mission. These new members devote themselves to the mission of the church with this kind of passion and commitment. Now, here at Veritas, we summarize the Bible's teaching on mission like this. With our vision to declare, embody, and display the kingdom of God in Dayton, we are on mission to make and be disciples. Very simple to remember, very difficult at times to execute. We make disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit with his gospel. We interact with those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And by his sovereign 
unction brings forth new life. We made a disciple, and then we're helping each other be that disciple, growing in newness of life as a disciple. That's trait number two. Now we see another one here, and that's the breaking of bread. And that's the communion here. We enjoy it much week in and week out. There's symbols here. The sacraments are here to manifest and remind us of the broken body and spilled blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as a substitutionary atonement for all of our sins and favor forever found on those who feed on him by faith with thanksgiving. But also, if you keep reading on in the passage, you, you see that this fellowship sounds almost daily and almost it normalizes it. And so now the, the apostle is saying, yes, we break bread. There is this communion as essential as every week is. But then day by day, they would break bread with generous hearts and glad hearts and share it with one another. And, and, and so this portrait here is, is telling us that we feed on Christ by faith with thanksgiving and then we take that, the essence of that relationship and we share our goods. Money, time, our homes, and we share it with one another. Veritas Community Church loves to eat with each other. A breakfast time, a lunch time, supper time. There's just something really cool about the ordinariness of that. And then as we get to know one another and we talk about things, and now it gets a little more intentional in our conversations and our listening as we get close to one another and help one another and support each other. This is the, this, this fierce familial devotion that we see in a lively church named Veritas. And lastly, just simply, it says, we pray together. It's the prayers, you can see that in verse 46, and that's probably the liturgies that the new, uh, the new um, church in the first century was due, would do with that. And we have that throughout our, our services. But in addition to that, it's, it's, it's taking this and confessing our sins and, and listening to the, uh, the, the, the very promises of, of God towards us. And, and we thank God and we, we praise God and we pray to God, and it's all this praying individually, but also collectively. Some of you I don't know are overly comfortable. It's vulnerable to pray out loud. It's vulnerable to listen to a heart and say, let's pray. It's way more vulnerable than to just say, I hear you, I will pray for you. And then when do we pray? Well, sometimes we forget, but then we go into our independent, private times and we pray which is fine that's that's wonderful but this is this is very open this is this is this is my heart these are my words and we pray to the one who eavesdrops into even our thought life he hears us he knows us he's got inclined ear towards us and he moves in and amongst us as we pray together
There are the four traits of a new family that God created through his gospel and spirit that are utterly identifiable and undeniable. These are the church members. These are the covenant members. These are the ones that manifest the supreme worth of Jesus Christ in a fallen world as we collectively together learn, partner, share, and pray together. So in closing, there were a few closures as I was thinking and praying over this. And I thought, no, I'm just going to make it very plain to us. We have reflections and we have responses. So I'm just going to put reflection number one using that sentence that tries to condense this paragraph into, into this one sentence. The gospel creates undeniable, identifiable church members. And so response to that might be, are you a member of the local church. We have some guests who are here to support the baptized. We uh, welcome you, and you, I hope you have a church family and a home that you resonate with this. Others of you might be here the first time or might be here some, a few times and whatnot, and you're spectating rather than participating. You're up in the bleachers watching. It's okay to do that for a while, but th that's not the totality of this newness of life. You step into it by faith and you become this, this closeness. Are you born again? There's so much in American Christianity called culture Christianity as opposed to converted Christianity. And we go through the motions and we say the liturgies and we we, we, we pray certain prayers and we read certain readings, but, but the heart hasn't been touched yet. It hasn't been broken. It hasn't been cut, according to Acts 2, out of which comes a confession and from which comes a, I need Jesus and a closing, a redemption, out of which comes a celebration and a deep desire to be a part of the family. Are you born again? Have you been baptized in water as a believer? The Bible does, knows nothing about individual Christians wandering around the world, nor does anyone go about joining a, a church like it's, you know, a, a club or, or something of that nature. No, the Bible makes clear that we submit to the leaders of the church and to one another in the church. Is church membership for you? Are you merely attending and enjoying from far off? I encourage you to break that habit if that's yours. And I encourage you to, to pull me aside this morning and we can talk about this. I, I ask you to pull people aside. Come to the party today at 4 and, and we'll enjoy the party. But there might be a conversation in the midst of the party that says, I was troubled by that or I want more information on that. This would be a wonderful time to just explore that in a friendly, safe environment. Reflection number two, church members are devoted to this newly created life. So what is your level of passion for Jesus Christ? How is it seen at and, and for 
veritas, to learn and partner and share and pray with each other, expresses devotion to our Heavenly Father. So are you experiencing that devotion? What helps do you need from your leaders with respect to your passion? Is it low right now? We get that way at times, don't we? Are you ebbing instead of flowing? I understand that. I have those times. Is it like a doldrum where your sail is limp and you're just hanging out in the middle? Where's that love, that first love I had? Please don't think that that's just super-duper normal and you just live life like that. Get with one of the leaders here. Get with someone who brought you here. Get with one of your brothers and sisters and talk about it. Pray with that. Seek the scriptures concerning that. Or how about the four traits that we looked at? Which one stuck out for you as, I'm really strong in that one? That's my favorite one. Are you helping others in this area of your favorite one and strongest one? That would be a good ministry for you. Which one is the weakest one? You were looking at those and you went, ah, I, don't, I don't think I even do that. Or if I do, I'm embarrassed at times because I don't do it very well. I don't know. I just don't like it. That's a, that's a confession and that's good. Who's helping you in that weakness? Oh, we need help, beloved. I need so much help from you. We collectively are siblings in this wonderful family under the Heavenly Father. And so we do this. We help one another. How are you going to see progress in this area? The gospel creates undeniable, identifiable church members who are devoted to this newly created life. Oh, open wide. Don't hold back. Don't be shy to love out loud. Get involved. Open wide for others to get involved in your life and collectively will continue to grow. Not just a five-year-old, but maybe a six-year-old. Maybe a ten-year-old. Do you think we can hit puberty? We just keep growing by grace with thanksgiving. Let's ask God for that. Holy Father, I thank you so much that you give us this kind of privilege of opening the Bible of an undistracted environment, of hearing you speak through a foible, frail person like me, to have this kind of word go deep into the heart like a seed planted, germinating. Oh, breathe life on it. Grow great things from it. Help us to move into the future, maturing, growing, falling, confessing, getting up, learning, sharing, caring, praying. Oh, come and fill us with your spirit. We pray these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen.